I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Podcast. I feel terrible. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, my God. Life is so hard. I know. Get out my tiny violin. But for reals, everyone, I'm like kind of struggling what about a saxophone a tiny saxophone what does that sound like i don't know but i'm not a sax offender uh <laughs> at least april makes me laugh um this, we're getting ready for a trade show we're getting, so we're getting ready for a trade, trade show that's cool i'm experiencing some major back nerve pain and it is she's sad amy I'm not only just sad, but it's like a debilitating and um, always there and constantly moving around. And it makes like every little task hard. And I honestly feel I've had chronic pain before, but not like this. And I honestly feel for people who have one chronic pain um, or or disabilities of, of any sort um, and that in the way that it's something that is always there and it makes like washing your hair hard and it makes doing any amount of work hard and um and i'm just like causing you to drink more wine yeah causing me to drink more wine and yeah i'm just i'm having i just i'm really challenged right now the good news is is that we are this episode's with allison moon and we are so excited to present this episode because it was a great episode she's so well spoken she's been on the show before she is an author and also just an amazing sex educator that i feel so gracious and she wrote an amazing new book this book yes getting it and it's all about A guide to basically shame-free sex. Hot shame-free sex. Which can be beneficial to anyone, whether you're a person that is single, coupled, partnered, multiply partnered, or you're a person that wants to have hotter, healthier sex and hookups. This is for you. Yeah. This is, she's, and she's just, she's such a phenomenal speaker. She's absolutely incredible. And she's actually taught at Pure Pleasure before. Uh, the sex shop I own with my mom. Hey, mom. Um, we used to have a brick and mortar store for what, 12 years. And she's taught multiple workshops there. She has a workshop that you can actually uh, purchase to watch from home online at purepleasureshop.com. It's called how to drive a vulva. Uh, and also at purepleasureshop.com, you get 15% off of all of your favorite sex mm-hmm. toys too. But um, be prepared for an amazing educational and probably playful and informative. And I think also when we uh, recorded this, I was not in chronic pain, so I probably sound way more uh, lively and excited. To be like, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of over life right now. But I love podcasting. This helps me. This is like the one thing that I. Well, there's a couple things I look forward to. 
Um, but this is one of the things I'm like, okay. And also spending time with April, she helps to get me out of my rut. Oh, that's right. I make you laugh. You really make me happy even when I'm down. Um, okay. As usual, we have a sex question. We'll read the bio and we'll dive right into the podcast, getting it a guide to hot, healthy hookups and shame-free sex. But first let's dive into a sex question. I've been in a long-term relationship and have not been sexually attracted to my significant other for a while. As a result, I haven't been sexually active for longer than I'd like to admit. I think it's time for me to end the relationship. I've been talking to someone new and there's definitely a mutual interest. I'm concerned that sex will hurt, especially since there's a chance he's bigger than my boyfriend. Is there anything I can do to prepare to have sex again in case it's painful? I want to just say that some people are listening. They're probably instantly triggered because they're like, you're talking to someone while you're in a relationship. <laughs> I mean, I'm not judging. But um, to those of you who are feel a little trigger warning, just to know we, we have activations like that to make space for it. And there's nothing wrong with having activation. When that happens, when it brings up something personal for us, like you've had someone that was cheating on you or um, there's just some past experience that reminds you of something that didn't feel good or currently doesn't. Um, and so I don't want to shame this listener. It's actually really brave of this listener, I think, to reach out about this. And also just to say there's not one way to navigate this kind of thing. When you're feeling like a relationship is ending um, or it's coming to an end soon or not feeling good and you've tried all the things or whatever the reason is. Um, some people, we all have different ways of dealing with that. Right. And so some of them might be to some people more in integrity, you know, leave the relationship first before you talk to someone else. Some people don't do it that way. Um, and, or they have moments where they don't. And so just to, to create some spaciousness for that, um, for, you know, all the ways that we navigate hard spaces, like such as being in a long-term relationship and feeling like it's time to leave. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, uh, sex that might hurt when you're experiencing sex with someone new and ways to prepare for that. Um, and this is, can apply to anyone, whether it's just, you have like, I mean, that's common, especially if you haven't had sex for a while that you're uh, concerned that your body might not be able to handle it. Or maybe you just haven't had experience with someone that is larger. And um, there's things like dilator sets that you mm. can get. We have them at purepleasureshop.com. Um, and they are, they can usually come multiple sizes and you use them internally, vaginally, you lubricate them and you use them not necessarily for pleasure, although sure they can have pleasure, but it's more of a practice of, um, letting this, the tissue get used to something larger and you don't use it like a thrusting sensation. It's more, a lot of them have vibrators too, but sometimes they don't. Uh, I think if you go to the health and wellness section at Pure Pleasure, we have them. But um, you would lube them up and start with the smaller ones. And uh, if that in itself feels painful, go really slow, of course, too. Maybe even start with the finger. But um, you move them almost, almost in like a circular motion, maybe for like, I don't know, five minutes a day. And then work your way up to the larger ones. And that in itself can help to relax the tissue and to a point where you, all of a sudden you feel like not maybe overnight, but it's easier to take in something larger. Have you ever experienced anything, Chip, where they're like... Well, my question, is this human vulva owning or is this like anal penetration happening or they, we don't the know? The name and things sound like a vulva owner okay. human. Because there's two scenarios. I didn't know if 
this was someone that is going to experience anal penetration or only, or if this was right, like some, someone that is going to be inserting my assumptions going for vulva. Right. Me too. I I just wasn't sure. I didn't want to assume. And I will say, so for me, in my experience, which is usually what I work from because that's my own experience. So I know that I have, my vagina is definitely not, it can't accommodate a lot of like thick or large, like just because it can or can't, it cannot yeah. because of just how it's, how it's positioned. And there has been times when, especially when I was, uh, back in my single days, when I was hooking up with a very large cock owner and it, it could be painful. It had to, there was a lot of communication that had to, that had to be brought forth and slow, slow, but sure. And it still sometimes couldn't go that deep because of like the way my, my vaginal canal is. So I think that communication with this new partner or this new potential partner would be the best way to be like, Hey, I haven't had sex in a long time, or I'm not sure all this, how this will look for me. And I I don't want to make any assumptions because your penis hasn't been in my vaginal canal yet. (laughs) Say it that way. (laughs) And I, I totally want this to be organic. And can we just make sure that I, I, I breathe in and check in and that we're taking things slow because I have some fear here and I want it to be pleasurable. And I also say that, uh, for the vagina owners out there that our vagina is capable of birthing a child (laughs) and going eight centimeters or dilating to rather large levels to push a baby out through the vaginal canal. So it has capability to actually be pound it out and do <laughs> like Betty White said, right? Yeah. Like a pussy. Yeah. Why do we talk about, yeah. Why do we talk about balls? You know, like pussies can take it. What are, I forget exactly. What she yeah. Said, we've yeah. said it before on the show. And so I will say that you, as Amy was mentioning the dilator piece or even using a maybe larger insertable product in general. Vibrators, dildos. Yeah. That yeah. is larger than your almost previous partner. And so you can see what that feels like on your own. And maybe there are are thick dildos you can buy. There's thick vibrators you can buy. There's different lengths. So you can also try that to prepare and see how that feels and go slow. And then also you can utilize those experiences with the new product within your new sexual experience with this partner being like, Hey, I like this in my vagina. I think that that's really helpful advice. It's like the way we can practice before with, uh, maybe stretching out the, the tissues a little bit, or even, even like the mental block of, of I'm not gonna be able to handle it. But when, when you practice on your own, all of a sudden you can, then that in itself can give some sort of after effect of you bringing that confidence into the sexual play. But I also love what you said about, um, the part about just communicating and going really slow, even if you don't stretch out the elasticity before you don't work with the tissue with enough time, a lot of these, but sometimes enough time is like an hour or two, Mm -hmm. right? Enough time. They can do miraculous things. I mean, the things that people can get in asses, let's talk about the ass. The ass is naturally very tight and closed. People can do some deep anal fisting. It's not in five minutes. And you know, the vaginal canal, like you're saying, it has the ability also to stretch out too and create a lot of spaciousness, but it doesn't happen in five minutes too. So um, yeah, I like that advice too. It's not too. like a shoving it in there. Don't just shove it in there. Yeah, just because shove it in. A start with just the tip, even vaginally, and then kind of ease in 
and I think practice would make perfect with this. Nothing's perfect, but perfectly imperfect. As Brene Brown, pronounced Brown, you will probably be surprised of what your, if you are indeed a vulva owner, what your vagina is capable of, and warming up and taking it slow, as we've said so many times before, and lube, uber lube, and then the communication piece. I think those are going to be the key preparatory tools to help you have really amazing experience with this new potential uh, human that you want, that you're interested in, that you're talking to. Yeah, totally. I hope that helps you and good luck to you. And also I'll just say, if you experience pain, stop what you're doing or slow down, press pause, speak up for it, add more lube, unless you're consenting to pain, uh, you know, group sex doesn't have to have pain unless you have some other conditions and, and things but a lot of folks have don't the override capability your to use hands and yep. that can be really fun too mouths hands it's okay to start something and stop and do something entirely different a lot of people don't do that too like i need to just keep going with it yeah exactly which is like when we create our own mini traumas or major traumas it's always an adjustment with a new partner it's always some sort of adjustment right yeah. energetically physically and not every no two people are the same so uh, but our bodies are very adaptable. Yeah, my so. body does not feel adaptable right Yours now. Yours isn't, isn't. Amy can't bend over really right now. Mine feels so. broken. She is not going to be able to do doggy tonight. Fuck no. <laughs> so what about a bio? Are you ready for a bio? Less, I don't even know what I'm ready for. Out champ <laughs> Just champ. April's holding it together for shameless sex right now. Yeah, sometimes. Hey, that's the beauty of a relationship, Amy. You're my rock. Got I'm your my ride you're my or die. boy, Blue. <laughs> you're my boy. Okay, so let's talk about who Allison Moon is. Allison is a sex educator and author of the award-winning, critically acclaimed sex ed book, Girl Sex 101, the tales of the pack series of novels about lesbian werewolves, the sexual memoir, Bad Dyke, as well as her latest release, Getting It, a guide to hot, healthy hookups and shame-free sex. As a sex educator, Allison has presented her workshops to thousands of people around the U.S. and Canada. To learn more or to buy her book, go to girlsex101.com. But first... It's safe to say most of us are ready to leave 2020 behind and set new intentions for this year. So whether you're ready to jumpstart a lifestyle change or be more mindful of how you're taking care of your body, Zakara makes it easy. Zakara is a wellness company rooted in the transformative power of plant-based food. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful ingredients, and they are designed to help you feel good by boosting your energy, improving your digestion, and getting your skin glowing. Their menu of creative, chef-crafted breakfast, lunches, and dinners changes weekly, so you'll never get bored. And it makes your life easy by delivering fresh anywhere in the U.S. Along with delicious, plant-rich meals... Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Sakara's supplement packs called The Foundation and their Metabolism Super Powder deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash shameless or enter code shameless at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash shameless to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash shameless. And now it's interview time. All right, everyone, it is episode time. We are here with repeat guest Allison Moon. 
Uh, Allison is the author of uh, numerous books. One is Girl Sex, which we absolutely love. And my mom and I used to own the retail store of Pure Pleasure. Uh, we still own the online store at purepleasureshop.com. Uh, but when we had the retail store, it was a top-selling book. It was a, it is, is life-changing and revolutionary. And now Allison has a new book out called Getting It, A Guide to Hot, Healthy Hookups and Shame-Free Sex, which is so perfect for <laughs> shameless sex. I know maybe casual sex and hookups aren't the easiest thing to deal with right now in uh, December 2020 when we were recording this during COVID, uh, but still applicable applicable information. So without further ado, we will dive into our usual starting question. Allison, can you tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are today in the field of human sexuality? Oh, goodness. What a lovely question. Hi. Um, Yeah, so I got started, I think it's a very similar story to a lot of people in the sex ed field, which is like, I was just the sex kid, right? Like I was the kid in school who like was curious about stuff and asked good questions and learned about things I didn't know about, such that when I, when, you know, students, my peers had questions, they kind of started coming to me. And I just really liked being that person. And then as I got older, I started researching more and realizing that this was actually stuff that, you know, these are conversations that a lot of people are having with their peers, but there needs to be more information available to adults about sex and how we, we need to be able to talk frankly about this stuff. And it's still so taboo and it's still so bizarrely ignored. Um, And I think it's just really important to continue having these conversations. And so I just kept on having these conversations and then people wanted to pay me for them. Um, And so I taught workshops and I did a lot of like peermanship kind of education. And then I just realized that my, my real calling in sex ed is books, because I feel like I need to reach people who might not necessarily be on social media or might not necessarily have community or might not necessarily live in big cities where they have access to amazing sex toy stores or sex uh, spaces. And so for me, books are this beautiful technology that allows me to reach people all over the world in uh, uh, people who might otherwise feel isolated. And that's really important to me. I feel like we're going a lot in, in terms of a lot of uh, folks out there, at least I can, I can speak for myself, but I know some of my friends can attest to this. I'm going backwards where I'm buying more books than ever before and listening to records, right? <laughs> or we, we, when we recorded an, an intro today, we we're talking about Amy bought me a record. And I think like having a book, like an actual physical book, there's something great about I love it. it. Audible mm-hmm. b- books are great too, have, having them read to you. But I do retain information from books a lot more, uh, I think with longevity. And I, I, can, I can actually access it and, and repeat it when, I, when I'm reading it myself rather than mm-hmm. having it read to me. So I, I just wanted to attest to that because I'm, I'm really excited for your, for your new book. And the the topic, which is absolutely, I think, even if you're in a partnership. Wait, I've, I want to point on one thing. The very first guest we had on our show was Reed, yeah. your partner. Oh. I was on casual, yeah. oh, on, you were on casual on sex. Casual oh, really? Sex. <laughs> yes. yeah. Hilarious. We caught in the Caribbean in a room that was way too hot and kind of echoey. So anyways, okay. I'll, I'll let you continue. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. well, that was the thing. I feel like your partner, Reed Mahalko, he, has, he had so much and still has so much great information about casual sex and hookups and tips that even my friends have listened to that episode, even though the audio was shit, which we... <laughs> gotten so much better but I love that now because you two are incredible sex experts in in the field of of so many different things and I so let's talk about casual sex and hooking up from Allison Moon's perspective especially (laughs) since you have this book that just just released and can you talk about what 
are some of the casual sex styles and also define casual sex and hookups? Sure. Well, I think casual sex has a, a couple of different, when I talk about casual sex, I talk about it from the perspective of it's sex for sex's sake right? It's not sex that you do for relationship maintenance. It's not sex that is is looking for the future. It's sex that comes out of the moment that feels good between the people who are involved. And there's not really necessarily the question of what happens next. Um, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't that, this, that, that amazing things can't happen next. And it also doesn't mean that you can't have really intense connected casual sex and, and affirming healing casual sex, right? I think so often in our society, we think of casual as meaningless, but that's not at all what casual sex can be. Casual sex has so much potential for you know, affirming your own gender or sexual identity and healing trauma and just learning to be more adept at communication. There's a lot of power in casual sex. And so that's what I mean when I talk about casual sex in this book. And that's what I aim to teach people is how to do it and evoke the most positive aspects of it at the same time. Mm. I think that's so helpful. I think it has a bit of a negative connotation for a lot of people, or there is a thing that that it's not possible. You can't Mm -hmm. have uh, connected casual sex. You can't have respectful casual sex. It's just like, it's just all about sex and there's so much more there. Um, so, and so as April's asking about the, this, the casual sex styles, like, what does that look like? If there's, you know, th- there's different relation, not relationship, but yeah, the relationship, there's, relationship. there's still relationships. Yeah. 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 Sure. Mm-hmm. People also think when you say relationship, you mean like we're, we're in a relationship, we're getting married and, um, but it's, re- we're in relationship with our boss. So we're in relationship with I our had friends. The tier one, tier two, tier three. Yeah. When I was single, <laughs> my, I, like my, and I don't know if that's a thing, Allison Moon. You can probably no, tell, me. tell folks. Tier three was her back burner. She's like, I had tier one, which was like my revolving door. The the person that I would contact probably the most frequently for casual mm-hmm. sex, and then the tier two was when he was unavailable, and, then, <laughs> and that was still really fun. And then the tier three was someone that was just someone that was yes on the back burner, and I was very uh, ex- explicitly. Uh, like open about how I felt about each of them. I wasn't leading mm-hmm. any of them on, which I think is probably part of that. But yeah. what, tell me, if it, tell me about the casual sex styles. If, <laughs> if they're, if, if I was onto something, or if I'm full of shit, <laughs> they should probably listen to someone else. Like this. No, I think I think that I like that tier idea a lot. I think that it makes a lot of sense for people. It certainly feels like an organic, uh, you know, like this idea of like certain relationships just have a certain kind of uh, need for t- attention, and certain relationships don't. Like we all have those friends that's like we haven't talked in three years but when we see them we're like oh my god and we just pick up right where we left off I think that that's like that actually does describe an interesting thing uh, a real thing my the way I talk about sex, casual sex styles is kind of just based on different relationships and so you know there's friends with benefits which is a very common form of casual sex where it's just like you're friends first but you want to engage with sex some, sometimes with them and how can you do that without ruining the relationship um, there's no strings attached which is that kind of like, I'll see you when I see you. Like we don't talk too much about each other's lives and we don't get too involved in each other's personal lives other than when we hook up. Uh, there's uh, anonymous sex, which is, you know, a very common thing in certain communities more than others. But yeah, anonymous sex is a part of casual sex styles too. Back in the glory days of Craigslist, <laughs> I know a lot of people who used Craigslist for anonymous sex. Um, And then there's just, you know, non-monogamy styles, right? And so there's so much in that too, where polyamorous people, kinky people, we often will go to venues for casual sex or casual kink, right? Where we're engaging with people with 
within the space, knowing that the space kind of sets the terms for us. And should we want to explore after that, that's on us. Um, and so you think, think of things like swinger parties, where those are facilitated spaces for casual sex, or you think of dungeons or uh, like, you know, steam rooms, anything like that, where there are spaces that are designed for sex. The Russian bathhouse. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, I used to say kind of similar to April's thing. Uh, I remember I think it was like 2010 or 11 and I had, it was called uh, my playlists, right? And there was like my mm. repeat playlist that yeah. were the people that I would that see regularly. And then there, sometimes I would do like a little switch up to a different playlist. And, mm-hmm. um, and so is in a lot of it was about variety um, and also something from, for, that was helpful for me if I wanted to keep it casual was by diversifying the people I was seeing. If I was just seeing the same person over and over mm-hmm. again, it was easier to all of a sudden someone to have the feels or get confused um, by having more, more than one person. It uh, made it easier to stay unattached when I wanted to. Um, but so my question for you now, though, is in your opinion, what what can use some improvement in hookup culture? I know a lot of people are having some negative experiences. And why do you think that might be happening and what could they improve? Well, gosh, I think that's a huge question. And that's something that I I think I address throughout the book is that, you know, I think a lot of people are just approaching casual sex from the wrong angle to begin with, which just then skews the entire experience, right? I think that a lot of people to avoid, you know, catching feelings, like you're saying, Amy, they try and dull their feelings, they try and disconnect, they try and shut things down, which I think is the opposite tack. I think when you find good partners, the the worst thing you can do is try to dull your experiences of feelings because what's going to happen is you're going to engage with sex, which is designed to be an intimate thing. It is a it is a highly intimate engagement that when you try and dull your feelings, you find that the sex becomes unsatisfying because you're not actually giving yourself over to the experience. You're not actually caring about the other person's experience. You're just kind of going through the motions. You might as well be jacking off for 30 seconds before running out the door. Mm. And so, of course, we find it unfulfilling when we're not actually bringing ourselves to the table. And so I encourage people to kind of kind of reverse engineer that to actually kind of go from the perspective of like, you care a lot about that person and you care a lot about their experience of, of the sex and you care a lot about your own experience of the sex. And there you can actually find that you have, you can engage with people without feeling like you have to worry about, you know, what, what's not being said. When you say what's not being said, then all of a sudden you can enjoy the sex for the for what it is and I think that that's hard I mean I sound I I guess like I'm saying it kind of cavalierly I'm not suggesting that it's an easy thing to do but I think it's really important for us to do okay so if I am hearing you right I just want to reiterate so for my own brain uh I can uh maybe make myself feel better about my tier one, tier two, tier three. Uh, uh, no so judgment. As long as you communicate and it's something that's good for you in terms of casual sex and hookups, if you're communicating that, yo, this is how I feel and I am doing this and, and I, it, it, I am doing this because it feels good and I want you to know that I have no intention of uh, becoming a, a partner with you at this point. I think you're wonderful and I want to explore sexual sexuality and my sexuality and your sexuality uh, more deeply. And it, I mean, and, and if you're not a deep person, you don't want to get that deep, you can use your own words. Uh, I just wanted to kind of know if, if, if that's the right path. So is that, mm-hmm. is that it's like staying true to yourself and then communicating how you feel and making sure you're minimizing or limiting expectations? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think even before all of that, which is all absolutely true, I think you have to come at it from you have to do some self-assessment. Like, what are you actually wanting to get out of casual sex? And for a lot of us, it's just the pleasure of sex, or like Amy said, the variety of it. But I think that there are a lot of reasons to potentially engage in casual sex. Some of them might be more healthy than others. But I think the most important thing is to be really honest with yourself about what you want. And that can be a lot of work. Some of us don't have any sense of what we're actually going for. Some of us do these things kind of, you know, we go through the motions. Um, And so if you don't know why you're doing it, odds are you're not going to get great results, right? So figure out, like, are you trying to heal trauma? Are you trying to just get over an ex? Are you trying to make money? Are you trying to, like, there's so many reasons to engage in sex. Figure out your reasons. And I have a whole list of them at the beginning of the book just to kind of give people some some thoughts about that. And then I think the next thing is to really learn how to choose partners wisely because so much of the headache of relationships of all kinds, not just casual ones, are based on trying to fit the wrong peg in the wrong hole, so to speak. (laughs) And I think that, you know, you might find somebody who's a great, you know, dance partner, but that doesn't mean they're going to be a great sex partner. You might find somebody who you have a great, like you connect with intellectually really well, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a great sex partner. And I think the problem with kind of this our society around kind of this impulse or compulsive monogamy is that, we expect a person that we like and connect with to have to do everything for us and be everything for us. And then we look, we go into the dating world expecting like, well, they're great on these different things, but they'd suck at this. So am I going to round up to good or am I going to round down to break up with them? Mm. Without thinking of like, what's this person actually bringing to the table? Like what, what about them do I want to engage with and what don't I want to engage with? And for a lot of us, that might be, you know what, the sex is amazing, but we have completely different tastes in music and movies. So we're just going to have sex, but we're not going to go to the movies together, right? Um, Or vice versa. And I think what happens is, you know, when we meet people who are good people and treat us well, we then expect that all of a sudden they have to be everything to us. And that's not necessarily the best way of approaching our sex lives. I totally recognize that in, in some of my patterns in the past of, um, of, you know, oh, there's, you know, some things here that feel really good. So I'm, I'm falling for them. And I think a lot of it might be coming out of more like a wounding space to there that I'm, that I've, I've been, you know, maybe daddy issues or parental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also easily confused flirtation with, with people that I got along with really, really well that were just meant to be friends. Mm. And all of a sudden was like, wait, oh wait, is there something more here? Is this designed to be a thing where we, should we explore sexuality? And then when we start to, it feels like I'm kissing my best friend. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, so I'll get blinded by the fact that there is actually a deep connection there, but it's more of a friendship connection. And then I'm like, oh, they're an attractive person, but I'm not sexually, I'm not like, you know, craving to touch their body. Um, and, but flirtation could be confusing for me because I'm a naturally mm. flirtatious person with pretty much everyone. Um, and <laughs> it's just kind of how I, how I am. Um, so maybe on the topic of flirtation, how can people learn to be better flirts? I know that's a little uncomfortable for a lot of folks. 
Oh, sure. Well, I think that just to address what you were saying is that I think a lot of that comes from this binary perspective of like, you're either lovers or you're friends or nothing in between. And it's like, you have to like, like there's either romance or there's not. And I think allowing space for all of that gray area in between of like, yeah, we're mostly friends, but we did hook up that one time and it was really fun, but I don't want to do it again. Like allowing us to have that opportunity to do that is really important. Um, As far as how to flirt, I think that again, flirting is just communication. It really is. It's just having a conversation, but being a little playful at the same time. And because sex is play, sex is an extension of our playful identities and selves and styles. When you're flirting with somebody, you're just kind of assessing as to whether or not your styles are compatible. Like, are your ways of playing compatible? And everybody likes to play in different ways. I mean, you can get, you can get a great sense of this when you, if you just look at like a, a playground, you see some kids are really rambunctious and some kids are chasing each other and some kids are playing in big groups and some kids are playing one-on-one or alone. Some are really shy. Some are really gregarious. Like that's just who we are. And as we get older, we, we take these things into the bedroom as well. Um, so I think it's really important to just kind of see, like we're just trying to figure that out. So in order to flirt, it's just a matter of, knowing who you are and and kind of being willing to be a little playful with people and acknowledge that, you know, a lot of people aren't going to have the same play styles as you and that's okay. Um, And also I think this, I think where Amy, where you're kind of coming from is that, you know, sometimes people, because flirtation is always considered like the on-ramp to sex in our society Sometimes it's really hard to flirt without necessarily expecting to get on the highway, right? Yeah, and it's like, how can we be playful and sweet and and enjoy each other's company without necessarily having to go through the the paces of like, okay, now it's going to be making out and now it's going to be sex and now it's going to be conversations after sex. It's like, or like, can't we just enjoy every stage of a, of a, you know, sensual experience yeah, um, it could just be flirtation and that's it and it yeah feel really good on it so it doesn't always have to go somewhere exactly yeah and i think that that's where a lot of the pressure comes from because people put this pressure on ourselves to like we, we were very goal oriented right and i think this is one of the problems that i have i mean i have many problems with pickup artistry but this is one of my big problems is that it sets this these goals for people to have to achieve in order to be considered good mm. and those goals are almost always based on external validation And so it's like, it's not about, I'm going to, you know, get over my fears and talk to somebody I think is cute, which is, I think, a great goal to have. Instead, a lot of these problems, that was my dog. We have our dogs here too. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But yeah, a lot of these, these goals become, you know, based on external validation. They become based on this need to get three numbers in order to feel like you're a successful person, as opposed to something that you can actually control. Like I want to talk to somebody I think is cute, or I want to ask somebody to dance. And all of those things that are actually far more, they're far more healthier goals to try and achieve because they're based on your own self and your own, you know, reaching out as opposed to these expectations of how people have to deliver your self-confidence to you. Which is, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a dance. It's a ballet or actually a tango or a waltz. Cause there's two people in those, right. There's many in a ballet. And how do you, how does one keep something? And, and I struggled with this, not to digress with, with more personal experience of, of being single, but I think it's helpful because I struggled with being respectful and yet having casual sex and not 
being hurtful because it, there's a fine line and you have to check in with the people because each person is going to be different, right? There's mm-hmm. not going to be a one size fits all approach to having casual sex with multiple partners. So mm-hmm. what are some ways to keep it casual and respectful? Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right though. It has to be about talking about it. You have to talk about it. And I think that a lot of, again, these ideas of like casual sex is sex that no one talks about. It's like quite actually, it's like the opposite, right? You, you say, even before you're getting into bed, like, Hey, just so you know, like I'm getting out of a bad breakup right now. And I'm really just looking for something casual or, you know, this is really explain to people like what you're actually up for, because that's just a part. I mean, it just, it helps kind of reduce the emotional paperwork afterwards. Right. Is like, cause then it allows people to opt in. And I think this is really important to me is like giving people the chance to opt in with eyes wide open mm. to what they're actually signing up for. And I think it comes, I mean, it's, it's an aspect of consent, right? Like just being able to like acknowledge that like, Hey, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm interested in. Is that also what you're interested in? And that can go for kinky things. It can go for sexual things. And it can also go for like, what are we actually doing here tonight? Um, I've definitely broken hearts because I haven't told somebody what my intentions were. And that's just a shitty way to treat people. Right. And it doesn't mean you have to give them a dissertation, but I just, you know, just kind of reducing ambiguity and really being willing to, to talk about it. I think the problem is so many people are so, they have so much shame. They have so much anxiety around sex that they think that (laughs) your dog is having anxiety around sex right now (laughs) part of it other people are listening their kids are in the room they're learning about sex right now with their children screaming yeah yeah yeah. why i'm listening to my sex show i wanted to say one piece and i know i don't know if you were finished yet because i think thankfully your cute dog had to interrupt us for a second but so if you have if you present this information and you're speaking your truth and you're speaking from a place of only not only to be respectful to the person that you're having casual sex with but also to your own needs and they are not in agreement with you you have the choice then to either redefine and and negotiate with them or to walk away but if in in order to do this in an ethical and respectful way, you need to voice what your intentions are. And if they aren't in alignment, because the other person might be like, no, I really like you. I really want to take this further, or I really might not want to be into exploring this BDSM path or however that, whatever the, the terms of the relationship are with that person. That's the whole negotiation key though, is, is creating a win-win, right? And, and having it so both people feel accepting and that can also change on a case-by-case basis and a time-by-time basis with the same partner what what do you think about that well so I think one of the best things anyone can do for their sex life regardless of whether they're monogamous or single or anything in between um, is exploring what sex can be right really just opening up the aperture and allowing a lot of different things to count as successful sexual encounters right And this goes back to like understanding what you're looking for and why you're interested in casual sex at all, because it might be that, you know, it happens all the time. Like I meet somebody and they're interested in sex that I'm not right. Whether they want want to tie me up and I don't like being tied up. So it's like, well, okay, then what are we going to do? And it can be either the like, I like you. So let's negotiate and figure out where we do have that win-win where your kinks align with, with my kinks or your, you know, sexual desires align with mine. Or it can be like, what other things could we do to connect that aren't sexual? 
because oftentimes like we'll meet people who our flirtation styles are really similar, but our sex styles aren't. So we can either again decide to nah, never mind, or we can try and figure out something else that would be super fun. And I think this is what's really nice about when you have a, a, a respectful relationships with the people that you sleep with is that like, if you stop having sex with them, or if you decide that you're not really that compatible, that doesn't mean that you have to exercise them from your life, right? Like so many of my best friends are people that I slept with. And it's because like sex wasn't necessarily where we wanted to keep going, but we still wanted each other in our lives. And I think that that's the op- that's the opportunity that we have when we are respectful and are conversational upfront because as our desires shift, as our interests shift, that means that we still have the opportunity to keep intimacy and sensuality and sometimes sexuality in our, in that relationship in whatever way we want to, and we agree together on. Okay. Time for a quick break. This podcast was made possible by Uberlube. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances sex and intimacy. We receive emails from listeners who have tried Uberlube, and the feedback is unanimous. We never knew lube could be this good. It's also less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes, and there are thousands of doctors recommending Uberlube to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks experiencing dryness. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on my body. And it isn't just for sex. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth before an oral sex session. Totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's beautiful. It looks like a cosmetic product. So I just leave it out on my nightstand totally shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off plus free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by omgs.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made beautiful animated modules and super honest short videos to give you ways to reach even more pleasure. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives. We all know pleasure is fluid and ever-changing, so why not add more tools to your pleasure tool belt? OMGS is for everyone. So whether you are a vulva owner or you just love vulvas, OMGS will give you the techniques to get your O face on. There are two seasons to choose from and hundreds of gorgeous videos to explore. So go see what science says about pleasure and visit omgs.com slash shameless. That's omgs.com slash shameless to get $5 off your OMGS access. Again, omgs.com slash shameless. Go check it out. Now back to the show. I think that's really helpful. I love redefining sex and, and whether you're in a relationship or not. And uh, it, when people think sex is just one or two things and it's goal oriented, and always has to end in whatever it is, orgasm or penetration or mm-hmm. something along those lines. I think it's really limiting and it's really liberating whether you're having casual sex or you're just sleeping with one person or, or a couple of people regularly, whatever you're doing to uh, get clear on what sex means to you and redefine it. And then probably check in regularly too, because that can change. It can be fluid. And I just, I think that there's so much freedom and more options and more creativity, more newness, more excitement, more aliveness. Um, but okay. So my next question though, 
So say <laughs> someone is doing some casual sex business and it's not feeling good. What are some of the signs that someone should cut it off and end the relationship? And then what are some tips on how they can actually navigate that? You mean like during the sex or do you mean like yeah, in the relationship? In the relationship, like mm. you, you're having casual, you're, this, you have your fuck buddy or, or maybe you, whatever, your friend's benefits. Could be both or, too. Or both, yeah. And, but you're mm. like, this isn't feeling, something in my body or this isn't feeling right. How do they know that? These are some signs where they should either transition it or end it. And then how can they actually initiate those conversations? How do they do that? That's great. That's a really good question. I think that a lot of people are really good at muscling through things. Mm, tolerating. It, yeah, if there's nothing to complain about, then we just kind of go with it. And there's a lot of reasons behind this, but I think it's just important for people to acknowledge that like sex is not one of those things you should have to muscle through. It's just not. Like your your day job probably. You know, like taking the kids to school when you really don't want to be up that early, probably. But sex is not one of those things that you should have to muscle through. And so really sitting with your feelings and and trying to name them, I think, is really important. I think oftentimes this work requires some self-awareness. And I think a lot of us will have that uneasy, like, this doesn't feel right feeling. And then we'll try and act immediately. We'll try and change the relationship. We'll try and change ourselves without actually giving any time to the deconstructing that feeling, finding out what's underneath. And I think the problem is if that happens, then you might make some sort of rash choice, whether, you know, either marrying that person or breaking up with them or something else, right? Without actually knowing why you made that choice, which often dooms us to repeat that choice, right? We might end up, we, we, we are pattern seeking creatures. We will often date the same person who reminds us of that shitty stepdad that we had or that, you know, relationship that got away. And we will often make those choices without really thinking about why this person is so compelling or what about them is feeling familiar, but also frightening. So we have to be willing to sit with those feelings and admit them to ourselves. And again, many people stop before we even get to that point. So sitting with the feelings, deconstructing the feelings, and then once you actually understand them, yeah, I think it's really important to talk to the person that you're in the relationship with and let them know what's going on. And I think one of the most common things that happens in casual sex relationships is when you catch feelings and you don't want to tell the other person because it's either embarrassing or you're afraid they're going to reject you or for whatever reason, um, or you don't even know where these feelings are coming from, right? I've certainly had the experience of falling for people that I never thought I would want beyond sex. And it's confusing and weird because you're not my type. Like what's going on, right? So I think you have to, I think it's really a good idea to talk about that with the person that you're, you're involved with and just encopt the stuff. Like I have never regretted being radically honest mm. with the people that I'm sleeping with ever. Yeah, they're 100%. Mm-hmm. But I've certainly regretted things I haven't said mm-hmm. and, and for better and for worse, right? Like this can be the, like, I want to break up with you or I'm falling in love with you. Like either way, radical honesty is definitely a better way to go just for everyone. Cause I think one of the hardest things about either getting dumped or having we- boundaries get weird is feeling in the dark is feeling confused, right? Because something's, you can see that something's changed on their side of things, but you don't know what, and they're not telling you. And so you feel you can start making up all sorts of stories in your own head about why things have changed. Um, And I think so much of that anxiety and angst can just be mitigated by 
copping to these things to really just saying I'm falling in love with you and it's scaring the shit out of me or, you know, whatever, this doesn't feel as, as healthy for me as it used to, or whatever that is. Um, and just being willing to have those conversations, because if you can't have that conversation, how can you possibly have like a really heightened conversation during sex? Like this is a very intimate, vulnerable thing. Like it's all about practicing being vulnerable with one another and being like being brave enough to speak up. And to play the the opposite role, both of you had attested to being like radically honest. I've struggled with radical honesty within terms of the hookups that I've had or the even the relationship sometimes, which got me into trouble when I was married and it was it wasn't going as well as I had hoped in my brain. I built up this whole story about how a marriage should have looked and mm-hmm. and, it, and it can translate into the casual partnerships too. And I think Unlike the two of you, from what I know from what we just discussed and what I know of Amy, I I struggle. I, I want to be the cool girl, the cool mm-hmm. partner, or the partner that is not needy. No, and and, <laughs> and that's like, and even though I, I self soothe and self process, and then also kind of go into my suffering by myself pieces, I still will will only give bits and pieces of the real version of what is going on in my Mm -hmm. brain because I don't want to be like the psycho crazy bitch. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you, how are, how can you navigate that in a way? And I'm slowly learning and, and the older I get, I'm like, I'm 38 now. What the fuck do I have to lose? I'm just going to be honest here. This is how I feel. (laughs) But at the same time, I, I know that there's probably listeners out there that can identify with, with what I'm speaking on because it is, it's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to be totally radically honest with you, but the fear of rejection is real. The mm-hmm. feel of, and, and I want to feel special. I want to feel like because of my childhood wounding and my trauma, I, I know that like my fear of being hurt or in pain is way, way more scary than, than just playing along with something until something else comes along. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that the uh, one thing that came up to me, she's saying that is like, well, if we don't share how we really feel about something and because we don't want to be rejected, we're kind of reject, rejecting ourselves though. <laughs> Yeah. Like, there's someone that's losing and it's us because mm-hmm. we're, so we're, we're closeting or hiding and uh, guilty of that 5 million times, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't say this as like, I've had this all figured out. I've done this so many times where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to say the thing because I don't, I want to keep the peace. I want to keep the love. I want to, I'll just take the scraps that I'm getting that aren't feeling good. Um, there's something in my body or my being that this doesn't feel right, but I'm not going to speak to it. And then I still get something out of it, but then I end up losing. And so mm-hmm. it's like someone, if your fear is fear of, re- fear of rejection and you're choosing to not be, re- say the thing that is your truth to the other person so they don't reject you, you re- you're rejecting yourself. It's a, mm-hmm. you're, it's a worthiness thing that you're re you're reiterating to your, your being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And like, you're going to have diminishing returns, right? Because every time you get in bed with that, some, that person, you're going to be doing this weird psychoanalyst psychic thing, as opposed to being with them. I think that, you know, one, something that I've really enjoyed, especially as I've gotten older, is this concept of holding people capable, not responsible, holding them capable, holding them capable of hearing my truth, like if they are so down with me in this way, like I would like to imagine that they are capable enough to handle my emotions, right? And I think the problem is like, there's a, I mean, I think there's a certainly a gender component of what you just shared, right? This idea of like girls have to, having to be the cool gr- girls and guys having to like not be affected, right? And so we often try and play into those gender stereotypes, because we don't want to be considered crazy or we don't want to be considered a soy boy, right? So we we round our emotions down to their most blunt and meaningless 
expressions. And then we end up going to bed with somebody as kind of a less than a whole person. We're not bringing our A game, right? And so I think that what we, what I think helps is being radically honest and, and hoping that, expecting that you chose a partner wisely enough that they can handle that. And again, that doesn't mean like using them as a, like as a therapist, but it means just being, being honest with what's going on for you and, and expecting that they can handle it. And then if they can't handle it, you've gotten a lot of information. You've gotten a lot of useful information about what they're actually available for. Um, and I think that that's, this is really key is that we kind of, we, the reason why we muscle through and the reason why we keep our heads down is we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to make things complicated. We don't want to be seen as crazy or weak. Um, and in doing that, we basically create this weird feedback loop where we are cr- feeling crazy and weak. Like Beyonce said, do you want to feel jealous or crazy? She's like, well, I'm better, better be fucking crazy because I'm getting what I want out of it. <laughs> There's a lyric to that, but I'm like, yeah, bitch, I love you. Oh my God. <laughs> There's so much truth to that. So, uh, uh, did I interrupt you, by the way? Because I can't no. see you. <laughs> well, there's one, yeah, no, there's one thing that I, I do think is useful. And I'm not sure if you've spoken about this before, but this concept of trauma bonding, are you familiar with this concept? I don't think so. Please share. So trauma bonding is a, is a psychological concept where a person feels bonded to another person because of inconsistent demonstrations of affection. Mm. And so what will, it's like that kind of, I mean, just to describe it like a, you know, you hit it off with somebody and then you text them and they don't respond for like a week. And then they, when they do respond, they're like really sweet and effusive. And then you get together and you have a great time. And then they kind of say something really shitty to you, but then they say, oh, but you're awesome in this way. And it becomes this like you basically, the other person becomes like a slot machine that you keep on feeding like affection tokens into hoping that they give you something back. And this is a very common thing with like, you know, abusive parents or, um, you know, bad relationships. And I think it's really helpful to understand this concept because I have been in trauma, trauma or traumatic bonds before without knowing it. And I had to have somebody point to it and be like, do you see what you're doing? You're like trying really hard to get them to care about you and you're trying to like figure out the the code that you can perform in order to get those affection tokens right and I think it's a really helpful concept for people to be aware of because when you get stuck in that kind of bond you're trying to psychically divine what will get you affection from that other person and you're trying to mold yourself into that position you're trying to wear the clothes that you think will give get you that and you're trying to you know do the things to them sexually that you think will get that and all these different ways in which we try and perform a relationship rather than be in the relationship um and it's, it's, I think, you know, it's, a lot of us don't know how to identify that. And in casual situations, that can be really key because we don't want to talk too much about it. We don't want to say what we're feeling. Um, and it creates this weird, this weird problem in which we are often guessing as opposed to being. I think that's so, so helpful to understand. I love hearing. Just hit home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> April and I have both been in those, those experiences yeah, with partners um, casually and also with long-term partners as well. And uh, you've always been aware of the idea of a, a lot of us choosing our wounding, you know, what feels like home, which can be a home that wasn't really, really helpful for our psyche, mm-hmm. for our, for our highest self. And, 
And then it's those people like, why do I keep doing this? Why am I end up with the same people? Or even if it's just casual, like this, you, know, it's, you can do it in, in long-term relationships or casually. And mm-hmm. I think it's an opportunity to, I think what I'm hearing from you, a lot of it is, um, is looking deeper into ourselves and starts with us and um, asking the question. I wish it was just a switch. No, it's not <laughs> a switch. No. no, it's more like, okay, well, why, you know, just start to get inquisitive and start to ask questions and to sit with things and to, and also seek support and help, which brings me to your book, which is one way to seek support and help. That's so, what this was about. Yeah, that was a beautiful right, segue. We yeah. have you just therapizing us, Allison yes. Moon. That was, it. That was <laughs> our whole intention. What's wrong with us, Allison? Uh, but, so what can people expect from your book? And it's, I mean, it's so I, I've only looked over the PDF of it and I'm excited to not have out it. Yet. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it is. It is uh, when this podcast is released, it should be out by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what can people expect from it when they, when they go through your book? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that if you're expecting this to be like pickup artistry, like here's the code to get people to put out, you're going to be real disappointed. I'm already expecting people to be like, this is bullshit. It's like a hundred pages of teaching me how to like love myself. Which is (laughs) important though, people, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like, I think, you know, there is a lot, like the first section is all about understanding yourself and like your motivations and your interests and your sexual preferences and all that stuff such that you can have the roadmap to your own pleasure kind of available for your sexual partners. And then, you know, there's, I mean, I do talk, I mean, I share some personal anecdotes that are not about bragging. They're very much about like, this is how I fucked this up. And this is how I would have done this better. Um, and this is how this worked out really well. Um, but yeah, I talk about, I mean, pretty much everything we've been talking about already, like the different styles, the different ways in that you can integrate consent in a really sexy way into casual encounters, different ways to get your needs met and different ways to kind of raise your sexual self-confidence such that, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, everyone I've, the reviews that I've gotten so far, everybody's been saying, this is very much a guidebook to life, not necessarily just casual sex, but I think that the skill sets that go into making casual sex better go into making your life better. Um, It's really about understanding yourself, being willing to talk about yourself and being brave enough to have tough conversations. Well, I'm so ready to buy the book right now. (laughs) It comes out January 2021, right, Allison? Uh, Actually, December 29th. So it'll it'll be out in 2021. So if you're listening to this podcast, the book will be available. And Allison Moon is about to tell us where can they find the book, buy your book, or and and or work with you. (laughs) Well, you can buy the book anywhere you can get books. So, uh, you know, your favorite indie is always the place that I certainly recommend. You can go to girlsex101.com and see a list of other online retailers, uh, both indie and big box. So anything that works for you works for me. Um, I also encourage people to support their local sex toy stores. So if you are lucky enough to live in a city that has one, you can always, you know, walk in and ask for it or, you know, order it from them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's girlsex101.com. We'll have a, a comprehensive list of places to buy it. And if they want to work with you, do you still work with folks? It's here and there. Not, I don't do a whole lot of one-on-one coaching, but I do teach workshops still. And in the, these COVID times, I'm doing some online workshops. So if you want to learn from me, I think my online workshop is still on purepleasure.com oh, yeah. too. It's how to it's, drive a vulva. Yeah. It's been yeah. around. It's a, it's a pretty old one. Now, yeah. but, <laughs> Your big vulva puppet. Oh yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I do, I do a lot of workshops and I do do private coaching here and there. So you can always reach out to me at info at girlsex101.com or just go to girlsex101.com and you can see all of my workshop offerings and such oh allison moon everybody give it up for allison moon just hand clap there's only two of us in here but we're 
I feel it. Great. 60,000 people a week listening. And, <laughs> it is, and the book is Getting It, A Guide to Hot, Healthy Hookups and Shame-Free Sex, y'all. Allison, thank you so You're much. Amazing. You yeah. are incredible. Aww. And this book will be exactly what you said. Not only a book for casual sex and navigating that, but a book to navigating yourself life. and a guide to life. So thank you for this amazing tool. And go grab it, y'all, right now. And since we're speaking of grabbing something, why not grab a glass of wine, vino? Wine, not. They say vino in some countries. We say wine and why not? And it's Margins Wine. There are three releases, only three a year. So go to marginswine.com and sign up for the newsletter so you can be in the know for this beautifully crafted boutique wine, women-owned, women-operated. And it's actually one woman behind the brand, and she is a powerhouse and so passionate. We love her. Amy and I've been huge fans now for, I mean, three years, I think. So I love the Sangiovese. I go, love the Musca. Yeah. Love- and you're not going to spend hundreds of dollars. And if you go to our website, you can save when you buy three or more bottles. So marginswine.com. Amy loves the Sangiovese. I'm a huge fan of the Chenin Blanc, but I can't wait to see what the new release is. Ooh. She's delivering a case to us yes. in January. So, all right, y'all. Tune in for another episode of Shameless Sex. I'm just going to invite you, though, before you tune in next week, for an amazing episode with Amy and I to go to iTunes, go to iTunes right now and right now and review us. If you give us five stars, we read every review, no matter what we read it. We take your feedback and we absolutely love you. And we hope you love us as much as we do. Show us with your star ratings. Y'all it helps more people find shameless sex. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.